On February 24th, 2022, Russia attacked Ukraine in an attempt to take over the country. But for the past three and a half months, Ukrainians have fought back like a David and Goliath effort to stand their ground and preserve their beloved country. Right when the war started, I discovered on Instagram and became friends with a Ukrainian man named Andrei Zinkovsky, who was sharing about his testimony of food storage and how he was prepared to deal with the war because his church leaders had instructed him to have a supply on hand of food and cash to be self-reliant. Andre started just by serving his neighbors, but quickly ended up turning his once profitable food delivery business into a full-blown charitable effort to feed those who were left behind in his hometown of Kharkov, Ukraine, with food, hygiene, and medical supplies for the past several months. We've been able to take a small part in this by gathering donations and sending them to Andre weekly, and in the process, he's become a dear friend to us. Andre does weekly live reporting sessions on Instagram where he reports on the hundreds, if not thousands of people he's fed each week and then takes questions. And each week he's inevitably asked to share his conversion story to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's also recently faced some really challenging conversations with the people he's been serving for the past few months about whether they truly need the food he's delivering or if they're able to be self-reliant at this point in the war. So today we get to talk about both of these things. Andre's pure testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ is so touching, and this was such a blessing for me to hear the full story, and I know it will be to anyone else who listens to it too. Andre, I'm so happy to have you back. Thanks for being here today. Hey, Corinne. It's good to be back. (laughs) Yeah, and this is how we met, you know, several months ago. If anybody isn't familiar with who Andre is, you can listen to episode 161, and that is when we first met online and started chatting and then became good friends and have kind of worked together for the last several months on raising money and getting Andre money, and then he's done all of the actual hard work feeding. So how many people have you fed now? Let me, I, let me pull this. I haven't done the okay for, for today. I mean, for this week, for the past week. But I have uh, all the numbers for from the time when we started. And it's... Yeah, you've done an incredible job just keeping track of everything and, and giving these reports each week. It's been 19,557. That is unbelievable. That is so amazing. Yeah, when I look at the numbers, wow. like, could I do this by myself? Could I do that? It was little help that I had. For me, it's I, it's, I don't know how I did this. Because I used to work two days a week, delivering about 50 orders per week. That, that wow. did as, as my job thing. Right. And here we deliver a lot more. And I don't know yeah, that's... the strength and all the power to do that. I don't know how you're doing it either. That is incredible. Okay, I've always wondered, was Dima your driver before too? Yes, he he was one of the drivers that worked for me for, for my company. And he had uh-huh. only driver that that stayed behind. Oh wow. So well that it's been really cool to see you guys work together. He ha- seems like he has a sense of humor, right? Like sometimes he's kind of funny. Yeah, he he does have a sense of humor. Yes, he's he's a funny guy. That's awesome. So for those who don't have any background on you, do you want to give just a little bit of background on yourself, who you are and what you do? 
Well, I'm uh, raised, I've been raised and born in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. lived almost all my life in Kharkiv, Ukraine, apart from like 10 years that I lived in different cities in different countries. But besides that, I've been studying here in Ukraine. I got my degree in food technology. Um, after that, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Scotland. Then I returned and worked. I was looking for the job that would, where I could use my English skills, so I don't forget the English. Yes. And I was working in a hotel, and then I been invited by a friend of a friend to run a hotel, and then I moved to Russia to work for Chevron, and then I moved back to Kharkov, Ukraine, and here started my own business. Smart food, which uh, delivered food, farm food to families here in in heart of Ukraine, and I believe all this um, path that I took along, like I don't know, twenty years mm-hmm. for for this time that I am living in now, because now I'm being able I'm able to understand how to deliver, how to do all the logistics and all this stuff and now it's been easier for me to start this thing right it just seems like the lord prepared you from a long time ago yeah where did the interest for food science is that what you said your degree was in where did the interest for that come from in school i really loved um, chemistry so i do something with the chemistry and there was a really good university where my mom went she said you might go there and I said, I might go there, but I don't really want to. But I tried, oh. like when you're in school in Kharkov, I mean, in Ukraine, the last year of school, you could try different universities to go and attend mm-hmm. their courses. So I went there and I chose this one. And uh, so because I loved chemistry, I decided to go there. Wow, that's awesome. But really, it just, like I said, it seems like everything just lined up to prepare you, just like you said. When the war started, what was your inspiration to start taking food to people? Was that just a thing that made sense? Or did you feel like there was some kind of moment where you felt inspired? How did that start? Well, we've always been taught by, by our church leaders to do a food storage. And I mm-hmm. believed that I would be able to use all of that food that I had in my apartment that took a lot of space in my house. But yeah. the came and I heard um, my mom actually called me and said that our neighbor called her and asked for help because she's an elderly woman and she's stuck upstairs. She obviously is not able to go anywhere or if she would be able to, she wouldn't be able to get anything. So that was the first thing. And then I felt like I have all this food that I not able to use all by myself. So I, uh, that, that was the first thing and first impression when I, I had this in my head. I have this food and I have people around, my neighbors. They probably could do that because they don't know anything about food storage or prophets who teach us. So that was the first step. And then all this grew and grew and grew until we've been able to feed 19,000 people. <laughs> That's so incredible. So you're kind of at a turning point now, though, right? Where you said you had some hard conversations with people last week. Can you tell me about that? Every week now, I'm having not comfortable conversations conversations with people 
who are getting the help or wanted to get the help and mm-hmm. example from this week. So when people are asking for food, I ask them for three things, their name, their address and phone, and how many people do they have in their household. And this woman gave me all the information and she said that she has five people. So when we came, it was just her. And I would ask, where are the rest of, of your family? And she would be like confused why why I'm asking her about this. She already told me mm-hmm. five, so she was expecting me to give her food for five people. But I would ask her where are the people, and she would not really willingly explain that they are taking a walk in the city center. I'm like, okay, but you have money to give them to go and go for a walk, go to the park, take the transportation, and yet mm-hmm. you're for food. So, and obviously, I will be talking about this um, story today, how this all turned into another miracle. But yes, people are now being asked very uncomfortable questions, uh, especially when I come and they have two cars parked at their premises. Like, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. There's people who are not able to go out of their apartment, yet you have two cars and you're asking me to bring you food. So I'm trying to cut these people off and uh, because obviously they are able to to help themselves. Yeah. And I know you've mentioned just a little bit on Instagram how you learned about self-reliance in the church and that you, did you teach that at one point? Yes, I was um, in, in our stake. I was a self-reliance specialist. That's awesome. So can you talk a little bit about that, what our church teaches and what what you've been able to apply as you've as you're trying to make these hard decisions on who should and shouldn't receive the food at this point? Yeah. So when we joined the church, we we didn't have anything. We didn't ever even had the place to stay. And the money ran in our apartment the very month when missionaries met us. That was the last month that we that we had our rent. And then obviously the church would come and help us. And the missionaries would bring us little bread and little candies for me when I was a little boy. And but back then I would feel really uncomfortable uncomfortable taking the help from the church. I don't know why. From anyone. And then the branch president said, if you feel uncomfortable accepting this, you can come and help us clean the branch. And in that way, you would do something for the money that you receive. It wouldn't be your payment, but it would be your service back to the church that gives you. Yeah. From that very moment, I wanted to be self-reliant. And from that time, I tried to learn what self-reliance is and how I can become more self-reliant when I don't have to rely on on other people, on my parents, on the church, on uh, government. So from that point, I understood that I need a good education, that I need to go to school and do everything I could to get good grades and finally, you know, finish the school because it wasn't easy. Uh, the, to the university and find a good job. But I always wanted to know when self-reliant sufficiently, or when, where is that point when I can say, yes, I'm self-reliant. And then I came across an article of one of the church leaders 
where he would explain self-awareness. And then, I don't remember exact quote, but he said that we are self-aware that point when we are able to give something to others. Like when we have enough money and we can donate, mm-hmm. when we have enough food and we can give to people who need it more, or when we have enough time on our hands so we don't have to run around and work 10 jobs, but we have time and we can, how do you call it? Dedicate? Not dedicate. Yeah, dedicate. Sacrifice that time to, to serve others. So and oh, okay. my goal to go to that point when I'm able to give the time, give the talents, give the money, give the food to, to people who need it. Because I know I know from my from my personal experience how it is to be in need. And that's why I'm trying to to help people understand that. When they receive help, it's not the help. When they don't need it and they ask and ask and ask and ask, I'm not there to satisfy them in their lives. I'm there to support them and then Mm -hmm. help them realize that there is something that they can do for themselves or for their families. Because there are so many able families right now here in Harakov who are asking for help. And I understand when they ask once, twice, but when they ask every week and expect me to bring them the food, then I'm like asking them, hey, you have two legs, two arms, you have had, you can go and find a job. If you don't find a job, come to me and I will give you a job because I'm really tired cleaning the place. <laughs> and <laughs> when people are crying that they don't have a job and say, hey, come to my place and you can earn some money. But nobody does because it's not the, what they want. They want to receive help. They want food to be delivered to them. Mm-hmm. That has to be really hard to be able to decipher where to help and where to yeah, you know, stop. When you are with the Lord, it's not really hard because you know mm-hmm. exactly on the spot that this person really needs it. And they're so grateful. They're crying. They are ready to kiss your hands because you brought them that food that they hadn't had in a while. And there are some other people who are just expecting me or expecting other people to come and bring them and feed them from the spoon to their mouth. And those people are being cut off right away. And I thought it would be hard because how can I decide and how can I know the circumstances of that family? But I'm not really concerned about the people who are expecting me to give them something. They can take care of themselves. That makes sense. Well, what are some of the things that you learned in the church's self-reliance course that you feel like have been the most helpful to you in this journey? Well, the first and foremost is to be to have um, a storage of, mm-hmm. of food, of water, obviously, and then as well of some cash of the finances could use when the time comes and i'm so grateful to the lord and to the church that i know this and that i am following these instructions and i had enough money for myself and for the family and for for the rent for this house where i live right now with my mom and for the utilities for the apartment that i own so this is a physical that we need to to be prepared to to have the storage of stuff and as well Self-reliance gives hope 
and assurance that whatever comes, you will be all right. Whatever comes, the Lord will help you because you followed his, his commandments, because you followed the counsel of the leaders, and the rest is up to him, and he will take care of you. I've seen that in my life for the past, what, three months, four months. Yeah, that's so incredible. I, I've heard so many times, I actually have not taken the course myself, but I've, <laughs> everyone that I've ever spoken to who has just says that it's so amazing. Everyone needs to do it, that it's so helpful. It gives you so many great life skills and strategy like you're talking about. Like I really believe that the Lord wants us to have strategy for lots of things in life, but especially when unexpected things happen that we couldn't have planned for. So I agree with everything you're saying. And for Ukraine, it was amazing course when it was first introduced to the church to the members here in, in, in Ukraine when the, the course book was translated into Russian and Ukrainian. Because in Ukraine, there is no such thing as financial education. So our parents don't teach oh. money. Uh, we are not hearing about this in, in our schools or in universities. So we never actually knew how to be self-reliant or how to you know operate with the money. So that's... Mm-hmm. The poverty in Ukraine is at the highest because people don't really, they have money, but they know they don't know how to preserve it and how to multiply it. They have it, they go and spend it, then they wait for another pay, then go and spend. So that was really good as a basic financial education for, for people here. I don't know if you have that in the States, if you're being taught by, by parents or by school how to be financially educated, but not here in Ukraine. Yeah, not really in school. I took one class my senior year of high school that was called Adult Roles, where we learned all kinds of really random things about how to be a good adult. But that was not a required class. That was like an extra class that I took. But otherwise, it's pretty much on your parents. And I believe that my all of the things that my parents taught me about money and wisdom, most of it came from the church and their experiences there. So it's similar, but I think that self-reliance courses are somewhat new. I don't, I think those are probably in the last like 10 years or something. I could be wrong. Yeah, you're right. Especially the new course it was, it's been introduced a couple of years ago. So that leads me to a, a couple of times you've mentioned joining the church. And I know every time you do your Sunday live, somebody asks inevitably, (laughs) will you share your conversion story? And so you've shared it many times on Instagram, but I would love for you to have a permanent place to share that so that people can come listen to it. And you don't have to tell it over and over if you don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, I would like to share my story because it's been a miracle all along. It was winter time uh, and I was at school and I had my winter break. We had a, we have it in December through January. Almost of, of that, like January month would be winter holiday oh, wow. time. I would go to my grandmother in the village nearby just to help her to be there on the street with some of the friends that I made there. So it's a common thing when I had the holidays from school, I would go to my grandma. And this was not the different. I went to my grandmother. And when I came after a month, I came across a lot of literature that I never saw before. Hymn books, like Book of Mormon, all the pamphlets about somebody called 
Joseph Smith. It was all strange to me. And my mom wasn't home. And then I asked her when she came where she was. And she said that she was at church attending some of the like evenings or whatever they had there. And then she explained that she's been baptized <laughs> while I'm going. Oh, wow. Uh, and as I said previously, we lived in a rented apartment. It's not a, it was an apartment. It was an apartment, and we rented a room in that apartment. So there was another two people living in the same apartment. Mm-hmm. And the rent that was last month that we paid for. And after that, we didn't know where to go. But, but So we lived there. My mom wasn't feeling well for the past couple of years because she had diabetes and she didn't treat it because we didn't have any money and she didn't know how to treat it and she didn't know how to cooperate with that and the doctors wouldn't help so she was really sick and usually she wouldn't answer the door when somebody would ring the bell because there's another Mm -hmm. two families living uh, and she would just lie in bed all day but then one evening she heard this knock on the door and she she went and answered the door. She opened the door, and there was two elders. And then they saw that she was uh, she was a woman, and they couldn't go in and teach her. But they said that they're missionaries, and they would like to come back. And she didn't understand anything because they were speaking <laughs> really really bad Russian. But she took whatever they gave her pamphlet, and then in a couple of days. Sister missionaries showed up. It was Sister Ron and I think it was Sister Buckland. Um, so those two sisters taught my mom and uh, and brought her food and helped her along. Once even she she told me that they that they bought her five dollars. <laughs> so when uh, I came from my holidays, she told me about the church. And she told me that one night she was so sick and she thought that she would die. And at that moment she prayed. Although she didn't know how to pray, she said that she prayed and asked for or pleaded for help. And she said that was the lowest that she could go in her life. I mean, she was in despair, in pain, in agony. And then the next day, Missionaries showed up. Wow. Uh, and after that, when I came back, uh, I was baptized another two weeks when missionaries taught me the lessons. It was all, like, I didn't understand most of the words that they were saying because I didn't mm-hmm. understand the Russian or I didn't understand the meaning of the words because I was uh, I didn't grow as a religion, religious person. Nobody right thinking about the... Christ, God, Bible. So it was all new and difficult for me. Although, because I didn't understand the concepts and doctrines of the church, I felt the spirit. I felt the spirit and it was enough for me to to get baptized and to accept that part of the covenant was Heavenly Father. Yeah, because the spirit is the teacher. Yep. (laughs) So how old were you at that time? I was 14. Oh, wow. So you were just living with your mom and you were in that apartment. And then tell me kind of how life went after that, after you joined the church. 
So after we joined the church, the church helped us to move to we moved quite a lot after that. But first, uh, after the rent finished, we went and lived with a member of our branch. So we stayed there. And uh, and the other thing that happened in in my branch, there was a man who had a son who was diabetic, and he like, got a degree because of his son in in this field. So he was really mm-hmm. educated. And he was really excited to have my mom as a experiment that she, that he could work on. And he helped her a lot. He, you know, explained everything, how it works and how to keep control of the blood sugar, blood sugar level. Yeah, blood sugar level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was another great blessing that we came across because he was able to explain her and teach her the basics of living with the diabetes. So she got better and better and better and better. Then she was able to find herself a job and she was working. And then we rented our own apartment and I was working as well after after I finished school for two years because I wanted to go on a mission, but I didn't have money to go on a mission. So I had to work for two years to, to get enough money to, to pay for my mission. So from there, it was just... Um, Blessing after blessing. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful conversion story. It's so inspiring. And I just, I really felt the spirit while you were sharing that. So thank you. Sorry, it was too much. Um, no, 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 you were not too emotional. It just is, was really, like I said, I really felt the spirit. So thank you. Okay. Somebody asked, what would you like to do if you weren't in your current occupation? I don't know. Uh, I probably would want to be some kind of manager, uh, manage people and resources. That's what I mm-hmm. do. And that's what I always did uh, in my mm-hmm. work. At the hotel, at university, I was doing something like that, you know, managing people. Uh, at the hotel, I was, I was, I started as a doorman or whatever you call that door bellboy. You know, the guy who yeah. picks up the luggage and takes it to the room. And then I finished yes. um, manager one of one of the departments. I think they call it front office department. Mm-hmm. I managed that. And then I went to run a hotel. So I was managing there. And then I went to Chevron. I started as a technical assistant, being just a sidekick for one of the engineers. And I finished mm-hmm. project manager, managing whole projects. So it was uh, always for me, I wanted to, I knew that I had skills and I had abilities to manage. So whatever it is, I, I wanted to manage. It was a hotel and then I was, oil business and now it's my own business that's awesome someone also asked how is your sweet beautiful mother doing and how how are her flowers (laughs) she adores her flowers and just today she cut a rose in her garden because it's not a big rose like that maybe i don't know yeah 50 centimeters and she couldn't bend because it's hard for her and uh, smell it so she cut it. <laughs> she put it here on the table. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. 
Yeah, that's like a really big full garden rose for anyone who's listening. It's about, it looks like it's as big as Andre's face. <laughs> it's huge. That's beautiful. And she's doing well. She's doing okay. Yeah, she's doing okay, but she is so tired of things going on here. And she thinks yeah. about living Harkov. Yeah. And going somewhere in Europe. Well, I know you guys would always be welcome here if you ever want to come <laughs> to the state. Thank you. You have so many people who love you here and who want to just take you in. <laughs> I feel the appreciation. I feel that support from, from you guys from across the ocean, which is amazing. Someone asked, how do you stay mentally and emotionally healthy after all the hard stuff you see? I don't think it is a problem for me to stay um, stable emotionally after things I experience here, like war stuff. It's more difficult to deal with people, especially mm. when they using or try to use the service that I provide for their benefit. You know, even they don't need it. It's really, really hard on me because I don't know how to deal with those people because the circumstances are so different. In the other in the other time, I would just you know cut them off and forget about them, even don't you know mention them. But now it's this is really difficult part where you have the ability and the responsibility to you know make these hard decisions to help or not help the person. So this is the hardest thing on me right now. And I'm really, really exhausted because of that. I can imagine. Well, someone else said, how do you stay so positive with all that is going on around you? I think that positivity is uh, is like an, an a, a anchor. Anchor, yes. Yeah, anchor. Like an anchor. And it helps me to to be strong and to stay even though there's like floods and other stuff going on right now. I mean, floods, not the real floods, but shelling and war. And it's a way for me to deal with everything. I would think it's a, I just put this mask of happy person, but in reality, I am happy because I know that the Lord is helping me. I know that he supports me. And I know whatever is happening is happening because he wants this to happen. And what else can I ask? Why would I be sad? This is the plan that I'm living in, that being prepared from the foundation of the world. And the sadness won't change it, but the happiness would, would make me and hopefully other people more uplifted. I love that answer. <laughs> a couple of people asked about your dad. I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about that, but a couple of people were curious about your dad and what happened and how old you were when he passed away. I didn't really knew my dad. He he divorced my mom when they were when I was I think two. And then when we had hard times in our life, my mom said, Hey, you should go and Meet your dad. <laughs> I said, yes, I would love that. So I went there. I met my dad. I loved him. He loved me back. And it was really, really good time. Could spend it together. But he had another wife. And that wife was really jealous because, I mean, there's a person that he loves. And so he said, sorry, but 
we shouldn't be you know communicating because I have now a new family. It was really sad for me because I was really excited to to get back and not back to to get to know my father and to right. to have male figure in my life because of mm-hmm. that. but yeah it never happened and then he just passed away because he had cancer. Mm. I mean I don't know anything really about about his life or about his second family. Which is sad, and I really regret that I was scared of his of his wife and cried to my mom and say, "No, I'm not going to go there because there's another woman and she doesn't like me." Uh, mm-hmm. If I could change it, I would be more brave and go and spend more time with my dad and to get to know him. I'm sorry. I know that was probably a hard question no, it was, for you to answer. Question. But uh, now the only thing I have um, is to wait to to meet him again. I have done the work for him and for for his parents, hoping that we will be able to see each other again. I know you will. I know <laughs> we know that that's such a beautiful part of what we know because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, shifting to something that's a little more lighthearted and easy, hopefully, maybe, to talk about. A couple of people also asked what you are looking for, because you've talked about how you would like to get married, what you are looking for in a future wife. Really? You think that's if easy question? If anyone's listening and they're, <laughs> and they're single, yeah. That is not the easy question. <laughs> oh, that's not an easy question. Sorry. Okay. You know what? I don't know. I thought about that a lot of time. I mean, almost every day I'm thinking about that. Not always, but sometimes in the day, I think of a person who I would want to have with me. And at this time, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you, you're looking in for good qualities in the person. But I don't think there's a person only with good qualities that exists. Because yeah. we're all so different. We're also sometimes unmanageable <laughs> and <laughs> dealing with. And right now, I'm not looking for specific qualities in a person. Well, right now, I'm not looking at all. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I, I, I believe that it's a joint effort when two people come together and they work out their relationship. Because I know that relationships is a work, not just, you know, you come and you suddenly happy and uh, all together and having kids and everything is great. Because we are living in an unperfect world, unperfect people. And obviously, there are so many things that we need to work on. And I think the one quality I'm looking at in a person that I want to be with is ability and willingness to work together to yes. out. This is the, um, I think, important part that we all could benefit from. Yeah, I love that. That's very true. Marriage and <laughs> family is, it is a lot of work, but from what I know about you, Andre, you will be an amazing partner for someone someday. So whenever that very lucky person shows up in your life. Um, what's next after the war is over and things settle what do you think you'll do next? 
this is one of the reasons I'm fasting today to know what to do next. So whenever yeah. out, I will let you know. Okay. <laughs> but okay, as of right now, fair. as of right now, I'm, I'm planning to well, I have already restarted the business. We had two deliveries, no, two, three deliveries this day, this uh, week, which is like okay. <laughs> but I'm looking into other opportunities right now to to do and to maybe do something else or something in parallel to the business that I have right now. Do you think you would come to the United States now that you have so many fans? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. This is the, if we're talking about what's next after this is all over, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not the relationship. It's not the things, but it's a ticket to the States and the, the huge plan of the trip around the States, meeting all the wonderful people and hoping to give them big hug because they, been so helpful the past three months. I'm not talking about the donations right now. I'm talking about the support that they gave personally to me. And maybe people would think it's just a message or, you know, just a smiley face that I sent or a quote. But for me, it means a world, seriously, especially in a time when all my friends are somewhere else. I don't have anyone to go out with and those people are the only people who are in constant communication with me for some reason, unknown to me. So this is my first and foremost thing that I want to do to go there and to, you know, to hug as many people and thank personally to as many people as possible because they done an amazing job. And if we're talking about heroes, those people are heroes because they, because of them, I've been able to to have strength and to have abilities and to have motivation to help those who are in real need here in Kharkiv, Ukraine. Well, I'm pretty sure you're the hero also for so many people. In fact, last night I went to state conference here in California and I sat down and then a couple ladies, right when the meeting was started, they came in a little late and they said, can we sit here? And I said, yes, of course, because there were a couple places next to I was, it was my husband, me, and then the rest of the bench was empty. So they sat down. And then during that opening song, one of the ladies leaned over and said, I'm here from Utah visiting my sister, but I love you. And I was like, oh, thank you. She said, and I follow you. And then she said, and I love Andre. (laughs) I said, oh, everybody loves Andre. So you have so many people who love you all over the place. So I have no doubt that when you do come to the United States, you will find friends everywhere because so many people do just love and appreciate all that you have done the last several months. So my last question is, if there's one message that you want the people listening to today's episode to remember, what do you want that one message to be? I would want probably to to let you know that we are all living in a, in a world where we are not sure what will happen next day or even next minute. So whenever we have chance, whenever you have chance, make sure you give thanks or share your thoughts and share your love with your loved ones, with your kids, with your parents, with your spouses, because you never know what will happen next. You never know if this would be the last 
time you see them or you will see them for next 70 years. You couldn't be sure of that. So we need to live in the moment where we make sure people around us know that they're loved, that they're appreciated, that they're seen. Because sometimes we take for granted people that are around us and the people our loved ones and other people, our relatives, our siblings, are the people who make our life what it is right now. They make our life. And it is our opportunity that we need to use every day to let them know that we love them and that we appreciate them and that we are there to help them if they need us. That is beautiful advice. Thank you, Andre. I'm going to take your advice today and make extra sure that my family knows that I love them. Where can people find you if... Oh, thank you. They adore you. My kids pray for you every day, (laughs) every night. They always pray for Andre. Even my little three-year-old, she remembers you. It's very sweet. Um, Where can people find you if they want to follow along with all the inspirational things that you're doing and sharing? Well, they can find me in Harker, Ukraine, if they can't. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm on social media. Uh, They can find me on Instagram at Andrea Polonsky and then they can can find me on uh, Facebook and my Facebook name which is my real name Andre D. Zinkowski okay and we'll put that in the show notes too so thank you again so much for doing this with me Andre it was a pleasure thank you thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.